Welcome to the Young Adult in Ministry Podcast, the Yamcast, where we talk about everything the church needs to know and some things you don't need to know about failing forward in young adult ministry. We are starting these monthly podcasts with a discussion about the book, Sustainable Young Adult Ministry, and anything else we feel like. Hi, my name is Kenny. I'm from Boise, Idaho. My name is Jeremy, and I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm I'm Chris from Cincinnati, Ohio. And here we go. Okay, there's a big blue button that says go live. That's the big blue button. Yep, are we ready for me to push it? I have a button back here. Are you ready? Three, two, go live. Boom. It is setting up our meeting for Facebook Live. Meeting is now streaming live on Facebook, it says. Okay. Oh, we yeah. Are live, y'all. Wait, do we got to go shares ease and watch party E? Yeah. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to, this super, welcome to the super professional start to another episode of the Young Adult Ministry Podcast with Chris, Kenny, and Jeremy. The only do professional. That's all we are. Jeremy, it's live on yours, right? Yes, sir. Hey, look, look at us. Sharing. Look at us failing forward. Failing know. forward oh, with technology. Yay. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. all churches everywhere. Woo. Okay, not all. All right, so we're going to talk about young adult ministry today, right? I think that's the topic. As soon as I turn down my Facebook streaming watch party on my iPad. Yes, Chris? We are going to talk about young adult ministry today. Yeah, we should do that. We should. But somebody that. should talk. I mean, if we're going to go, guys, we talked. I, you let me talk for thirty-five minutes, and now we went live, and we're like having these pregnant pauses of politeness. Crickets chirping. Wow, no one's watching. Hi, mom. Yeah, but now we're going to talk all over each other because we're like feeling conspicuous. But hey, it is fun. It's always fun to get together with you guys. And, um, you know, more and more, I feel like, you know, uh, every day I need some sort of Kenny and Jeremy, uh, you know, uh, communication. And uh, I don't know, maybe the rest of the world will begin to feel that way, too. So I didn't know you I, weren't feeling like you had enough for me, Chris. I mean, I can take it up a, a level. We're, we're, we're only on we're only on basement like communication status right now. So. Entry level intimacy, so through the social media. Yeah, sphere. there's yeah. so much more to give. So much. Well, that's more. exciting. That's exciting. <laughs> um, notes, show notes wise, we're gonna start with personal updates. Like anything that you wanted to share, pick something, any something. What do you got from Jeremy? I'll go first. Um, I got a new furnace yesterday. Oh. The joys of home ownership. Do we need um, to send you money? <laughs> I have a very limited coffee budget uh, for the foreseeable future. So if anyone would like to go to Numa Coffee online and order and ship me some, I would take it. <laughs> Numa, um, Numa, Numa. Well, I had a little program like buy a bag, give a bag. There we go. Wow. And then we'll put the code in the show notes because we always forget to do that. We, um, so Jeremy's the recipient for all oh, okay. Only Jeremy. Jeremy. Okay. 
we uh, we've owned our home for about three months now. Went to turn on the heater, the furnace, um, for the first time two weekends ago as it got chilly, and nothing came on, and it just got chillier inside. Luckily, here in Nashville, it doesn't get too cold, at least not yet. So we were able to get it figured out, but uh, it was um, a pre-existing condition, so uh, none of the stuff that we had covered it. So. Um, Would you like good. me to do some post negotiations? <laughs> I mean, I know some people. Dude, that's we, painful. Yeah, it all. Yeah, all part of the uh, fun of it. We were able to Sorry. support a local business, though. We we found one that not only did they not try to upsell us and gave us a decent price, but they're not one of the national chains. So we were able to support a local company called Aloha. So the guy in Nashville. In Nashville, the guy who was our the the rep that helped us get it, I went to call him as we were figuring stuff out, left him a voicemail. And his voicemail said, hey, my name is yada, 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 a.k.a. the Big Kahuna at Aloha Heating and Air, which is the best voicemail message that I think I've ever heard. And I let was him it know. Was it pre-recorded? It was like spontaneous in the moment voicemail. No, it, it was his previous, it was, no, he, it was his recording. Like I went to call him that was his recording for his voicemail, which was, was awesome. So they, we got that, uh, they were there yesterday. So we've got heating, uh, coming up and I've got my mother-in-law in town. And, um, so I'm eating all of the delicious Indian food, drinking all of curry. the, yeah, drinking all of the chai, which, uh, here a little, uh, uh, language lesson. Chai in Hindi actually means tea. So when you go to your local Starbucks and order a chai tea. T-E-A, T-E-A. Innocent yep. mistakes by the MCAST. Am I blushing? So cultural, uh, cultural faux pas. Just call, it, just call it chai. So enough about me. Uh, Chris, uh, what's going on in your life? Oh, man. I got nothing. Nothing compared to that. No. That's not Burn a story. That's nice. Are you coaching football? I'm not coaching. No, I'm just, I'm in charge of getting the boy to football practice on Wednesday nights. And, mm. and it is, it is Wednesday, regardless of when you're hearing this. Um, but uh, yeah, personally, uh, I mean, you know, I was telling Jeremy earlier today was a couple of zoom calls um, interrupted by a donation we have a ministry, a local ministry that picks up furniture that you're getting rid of and donates it to families that need to kind of restart a household or something. So we had, we've been trying to help my, my father-in-law and then my parents kind of downsize, get rid of some furniture. So we had a dining room table and six chairs and a love seat to get rid of. And so we scheduled the donation. They came by, uh, and then they got out of the truck and looked at everything. They're like, sorry, that dining room table's too big. Um, and the love seat has too much pet hair on it. And I seriously spent like 30 minutes getting all my husky, Siberian husky pet hair off of this couch. Um, and there were like three hairs left on that thing. But they were like, mm, haters, man, haters. Too much pet hair. So they didn't, they wouldn't take anything. <laughs> Oh, and we had paid thirty dollars for the fuel to cover the a donation for the fuel for them to come and pick stuff up. So that was kind of a frustrating day. That's been me, my day. Things are. I'm still transitioning into you know university um, role and mode and uh, and figuring out this new gig. So other than that, 
Well, I've been excited for the your new role, Chris, and the journey you're on and tracking along with that and the stuff that you're sending us to read and everything. We're gonna I think that's that's part of our culture corner that's that's coming up next here. Yeah. Uh, something that you cool. sent us, isn't it, Jeremy? The thing yeah. I don't know if there's that specific maybe it was that specific article, but the the topic we'll be discussing came yeah. out of some stuff that Chris was sharing with us as you're continuing to, I think, as you said, before we started recording, uh, curating uh, ex uh, knowledge from experience and other resources to be able to resource us youngins on the front end of our engagement in young adult ministry. So that'll be our, our topic here in a minute. Yeah. That was cool. so articulate. If I said something that resembled that, you just dressed it up in a tuxedo and sent it to prom, my friend. That's why we pay him the big bucks. It is, man. Which I appreciate because all those big bucks went to that furnace. <laughs> that furnace, I bet. I can only imagine how many. Oh, I know that price tag from a few years back. Yeah, yeah, me too. Speaking yeah, of we cultures. Are. Young adults love coffee, man. Yeah. Speaking of culture and corners, is that what you just said? Your culture corner. Ba -da -da. Way to turn that corner. <laughs> awesome. Well, we for our, for our culture corner um, again. It, this is something that the the topic was something that Chris had shared with uh, Kenny and I in recent days. And there's an article from Inside Higher Ed that talks about it. And Chris, do you wanna do you wanna ex set it up since you were the one that had been talking about this particular issue related to young adults? I have no recollection. No, just kidding. Um, and I think I first heard this from David Kenneman and Carrie Newhoff on their podcast, The Pulse mm. thing, which is kind of geared towards churches, churches and pastors. And, yeah. Was it Church uh, Pulse Weekly? Yes. Yeah. So I, I remember hearing Kenneman say this, and then actually want my uh, supervisor at InterVarsity was in a leadership meeting where they where Kinnaman had actually shared with them and and kind of reiterated this this stat but and this article we were looking at in higher ed inside higher ed dot com uh, talks about suicidal ideation among college age mm. uh, young adults and it's just I mean it was it was kind of disturbing i mean like so one in four right now is that what they're saying that of the 18 to 23 kind of or 24 age range one out of four are at least ideating about you know suicide because this year and this you know life in 2020 just is falling so short of what you know people have hoped for or want to experience as far as college and things like that um so that's a disturbing disturbing stat so i'd be curious if you know especially for jeremy because you're interacting probably with more college students on a daily basis than either kenny or i um, i'm guessing they're in a particular sort of context but still i don't know do you do you all think this is ringing true does it feel like an overstatement to you i think it, it lines up unfortunately really well with conversations that I've been having and students that we're journeying through life with together on a college campus, mainly because of just the stresses and the extreme toll just in, in the whole area of mental health uh, for young adults and for particularly college students who went from 
a somewhat, you know, stressful, you know, when you're in a college academic environment, there's stress related to that because of the high demands of work, life, education. And to be ripped from that into, in many areas, being really isolated for several months and to be thrown back into an unknown uh, semester with all of the new protocol, all the new expectations in terms of masks, social distancing, and uh, contact tracing. I mean, I have some students I know of where they, as they got closer to like big papers or projects or athletic events that went fully online for their classes because of not wanting to be contact traced and have to go into quarantine or to contract COVID or the mental stress that taking all those things into consideration, just the decision fatigue that went into it. So I, I think this unfortunately makes a lot of sense. It's a, it's a really stressful time for everybody and especially for young adults who are in the midst of whether they're in college, not in college, post-college, faced with a lot of really important and difficult situations in life. There's a lot of change that happens as you step into adulthood. I um, was shocked by this article and the 25% in the last 30 days. I wanted to believe that that, that can't be true. Um, I, I want to substantiate it somehow. Like I want to dig deeper into stats and stuff. And I, I found one that said it for June and then one said it for the last 30 days. And I've reached out to a couple of mental health professionals, one that works with addiction that's local here. And then um, I'm going to be talking with, I don't, you guys remember Roy Rotz based out of Kansas city. And he did some stuff with, with me with youth and mission. And, and yeah. it's kind of like our after, after norm, he was kind of our go-to guy. Anyway, Roy and I are reconnecting. I'm going to ask him some of this stuff too. And just cause he works with adolescents specifically, um, which could last up into adulthood. I think he's mostly working with minors, but I've had a local conversation with a young adult um, that told me that they'd been, they'd been actually admitted um, because they, you know, own a firearm and it stays in a specific place in the household that they live in with other people, but that they were really struggling. Uh, this was afterwards. I found out about this afterwards and that they had actually admitted themselves into a, to a mental health facility um, and spent a bit of time in there. I didn't even know what was going on. I mean, everybody was away from each other and, you know, you check in with people and sometimes you hear back from them. Sometimes you don't, I don't assume the worst when I don't hear back from people. I just assume they don't want to talk to me or they got other stuff going on or they didn't get the message. You know, I've learned not to take it personal it's so hard, but with this specific person, um, I was able to kind of follow up with that and check. And they were just really just like, Hey, this is what's been going on with me. And I've been struggling. And I was like, so when I read this article, I was like, I know one, you know, and um, it, it's just tragic to me because I, I, I read it and went, no, no, there's, there's like hope. I had this moment, like when I watched Sixth Sense for the first time, you know, in my Shyamalan Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis and what's the little kid actor's name? I can't remember his name, but you know what I'm talking about, right? And he's like, I see dead people. And when I saw that in the theater, um, my immediate reaction was okay maybe you see ghosts maybe you see dead people maybe you don't i don't know about all that i haven't seen those things i haven't experienced them but i do know that perfect love casts out fear i believe that i believe that jesus does that and and i don't 
think throne just scriptures and having a spiritual answer and you know it's a, it's all spiritual and it's not a psychosomatic or emotional or, or mental there aren't things that need medicated I'm, I'm for a holistic response not just a one way but in the theater i wanted to stand up and go little kid like jesus conquered all these things his perfect love casts out fear there is hope because of the resurrection of christ and so in a moment i had this like flash when i read it in the article of like no there's hope for these young adults like how do i help the young adults that i'm in community with that may be talking to me maybe aren't talking to me um how do i help just be present in a way through my church community so that a young adult that may be ideating may be struggling with thoughts on suicide um, and, and other things, not like, you know, not to that level yet. Just know that there is hope and that there's people to talk to. Guys, I even, I even went online this week and started looking at like suicide hotline jobs and like what's out there and who's hiring and do, are they specific to, you know, locations or are they, um, are there, are there national ones? Do you work with a foundation or a nonprofit or like what, what are those things? Cause I was like, it seems really depressing to talk to people all the time, any hour of the day that are going to commit suicide. But I was also thinking, could there be anything that's maybe more needed right now for folks that are like at that place? And, you know, in my experience in youth ministry, would I be able to be a voice of, you know, I don't even have to talk about Jesus. I can just be positive, but it's coming for, you know, from Jesus for me. So this article and reading that sent me in like a whole bunch of different directions. And I started going, are they eating right? Are they exercising right? Are they? Which is not what people want to hear when they're in a deep, dark place, you know, deep, dark web in their own head. Right. That's all I got. That's, that's yeah. what's been going on. Interesting. I was, I found another article that it's back in 2019. So pre pandemic kind of stuff, but that suicide is the 10th, is like the 10th, you know, killer uh, in the United States, but it's the number two killer of college age. Wow. Um, you know, even back in 2019. So, and I'm I know I'm curious on what number one is. Yeah, it didn't say. Um, I know the University of Cincinnati had two suicides, you know, last year, and that's a campus of 44, mm. 45,000 um, students. So it's just, that's interesting to try to multiply out to all the, you know, 2,500 campuses in the United States that have a thousand or more students and just wonder how many college students are making that choice. Um, also interesting to figure out what does ideating mean? I mean, is that, so if a student just in a, in a moment of frustration and depression and anxiety thinks, oh man, might be easier to just pull the plug versus, you know, I mean, we know that when somebody progresses to actually planning or thinking through scenarios or how would I do this, that then it becomes, so I don't know exactly what's meant by ideating because I feel like probably a lot of the population, if you just ask people like, do you ever think about, yeah, you know, just like, would this be easier to pull the plug? Um, I'm sure a lot of people would say, well, yeah, that thought does come to mind every now and then, but then does ideating mean that you actually entertain this idea? So you, you actually let your mind kind of play with that idea a little bit. Yeah. When does it, when does it get, when you, when you ask that, cause in youth ministry, you know, you get, 
you tell the student like, Hey, I feel like you're about to tell me something that I may need to share with somebody else. And, and I want to be able to listen to you. But if you share something where you're getting hurt or you might hurt yourself, I'm going to need to share that with somebody else. And then you can walk away with that idea, right? Like mandatory reporting. But sometimes I go, no, I want to tell you, you know, this is, this is where I'm at with this, with this, with this person that I, that I was talking with, they're like, Oh, I, I had a plan. Like it was, it, it wasn't just thinking about it. It was like, I knew exactly how I was going to do this and when I was going to do it. And what, you know, and I was like, wow, man, you know, I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, what is that? That's a great question for a, for a mental health professional, I think, to ask on that continuum between this thought just occurred to me and it passed. And um, later on today, this is what I have planned. Like what there's a continuum there. I think though, for, you know, something that came through in the article for me was just not to minimize anyone's experience. If somebody's feeling like, wow, I'm overwhelmed or I'm really feeling depressed, like not to just kind of blow that off and say like, yeah, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, You know, as the church and as people who engage with, you know, this uh, college age kind of demographic, I think it's just important to not, not underestimate, um, you know, when students express something like that, and then just to figure out, you know, I think moving forward, the church as well as institutions have to figure out, like, what are we doing to help with mental wellness issues overall? Um, So I think that's going to, that's, I think it's important. Definitely been a big part of campus ministry. And that's been something I've seen change in 10 or 11 years, for sure. Yeah, I'm reminded of, there's a book by a pastor named David Rodriguez uh, out of Indianapolis. And his book- Dave Rodriguez? Is that the same guy or is that a different guy? From Grace Church. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, uh, it's a- Oh, I'm thinking of Dan. Dan. Yep, no relation that they know of. Uh, Dave Rodriguez wrote a book called A Why to Live For. And one of the main premises of the book is that there are six- broken places in the world and he that you could lump up all of the the brokenness the areas of sin the consequences of sin into six main areas and that on the flip side of those we see the kingdom of god at work when those areas are being addressed and so he looks at the broken places how that they can be reconciled through kingdom work and where our places in each of them and one of the main ones that he points out is isolation and that isolation, not having that connection and relationship with others in life and how much of our world pre-COVID already was was pushing people towards isolation. And that now that's, you know, now that's even more extrapolated, but it's something that I'm reminded of from that, from that book, because one of the things he was talking about in it is how much this is a, this is an issue. This is a real life thing because of its impacts on mental health, especially for young adults. And how we're seeing that play out, especially right now during 2020, which I think speaks to the importance of the work that those who are involved in young adult ministry are doing in college campuses, in, um, in local churches, in, in neighborhoods and communities, um, the importance of that and of providing that community um, because of things like this being a real mental health, physical health, holistic problem and something that the church can be a part of helping heal that along with mental health experts and doctors and counselors. And as we continue our conversation about young adult ministry, 
we've been working over the last several episodes through the book, Sustainable Young Adult Ministry, Making It Work, Making It Last by Mark DeVries, DeBry, and Scott Pontier. And we are on the final chapter. And, <laughs> and as we um, wrap up this book and yet continue our conversation about young adult ministry, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. The last chapter is entitled, Failure Isn't an Option, It's a Certainty. Chris, do you want to start us off sharing anything that stood out to you from this chapter? Um, yeah, Chris, that'd be a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's back. Oh, man. Have um, fail. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I love that title, actually, the chapter title. And I thought, I need to say that more. You know, I'm going to find scenarios in which I can say that. Hey, failure is not an option. It's a certainty. Um, and to be okay with that. I, and this is actually backing up to chapter 15, but an, another phrase, faithful failing in the right direction almost always works. I feel like that's, that goes a little bit with this, this final chapter as well. But um, I definitely feel like one of the things this, this book has done a good job of is emphasizing the, the need to, you know, be okay with trying things um, and not necessarily, you know, giving up just when one or two things don't work. Because uh, to me, that's one of the biggest mistakes. That's one of the mistakes that he mentions earlier in the book that authors do. Um, and I know from my own experience, churches will try a few things and when they don't work, just kind of give up. Um, and so I think churches need to, um, you know, also commit to the long haul. Again, this is chapter 15. Apparently, I, I have more thoughts from chapter 15 than 16, but uh, the long obedience in the same direction, that be committed to this long pursuit. Um, the idea that, you know, I think they talked about, you know, his consulting company or whatever, when they work with churches, they you, they kind of have like a five-year window in mind. Um I don't, in, in my experience, churches I've tried to either help do college young adult ministry or talk to about it, I don't think many of them have a five-year kind of plan in mind. They're kind of like, okay, let's, let's work on this for six months to a year and, and see what happens. Um, so again, I, I, I just like the, the emphasis on, you know, be committed to this for the long haul be committed to this in a way that you're willing to fail anything. This is not from this book, but somewhere else in my life, I heard if anything's worth doing, it's worth failing at basically that sort of idea. Um, some people hate that kind of some of my takeaways. What do you got? K Wade? Well, it's just some people, they, they hear that like, like if you're failing, then you didn't do it right. Or you're not, you know, you're, you're doing something. You're not trying hard enough or whatever. And my experience is, um, there's a few things in life that go right, <laughs> but there's like, if you want to call it failure, there's a small inkling of failure, um, in, in all of life, in all segments of life. And in any given day, like I could give you a list as long as my arm just from today, probably if I wanted to look at my life as failures, it started when my wife backed out of the driveway and it was dark 
And I was like, why is that tire making that screechy sound? Like it's on a shiny floor and it's concrete to asphalt. And I can hear, and I was like, she's got a flat. It's on the other side of the car and I can't see it. And I mean, I was, I was going for a bike ride. And as it turns out, there was a screw in that tire and I had to put the donut on and then we, we switched cars real quick and she was gone. And then I had to figure out my day. So, you know, um, why did we drive over a screw? Now, is that a failure thing? No, that's kind of, kind of a different thing. But then there's other things, time management things today, like I could look at. So I like chapter 16, failure is an option. It's a certainty. I read that to my brother and he's like, Hey, this is a, this is a no fail mission. And I was like, Oh, I, I don't do no fail missions. Like I, I, I do the um, plan for success and contingency like have that roll of duct tape, have those extra tube socks, be able to create a scrubber. Don't make it to the moon, but you get back alive to earth. Like let's make those oxygen choices. So every time I encounter a failure in life and particularly with young adult ministry, which I've got a couple of those from this last month and week. Um, it's like, a, okay, we run into, we run into uh, this didn't work. Uh, inviting the young adults that don't go to Northwest Nazarene university and are on the other side of town and trying to get them to come to Chili's for free appetizers. It just turned into a meeting between me and the other 40 year old lady that wants to help out with graduating seniors in high school. And those that just their first year out of college, she has a passion for that. And so we ate queso and chips and talked about that for an hour with no young adults there. And I could see that as failure, which it kind of was. Or I could see it as like, okay, this didn't work. What will work for them? How can we encourage them? It's not about me. And sometimes I think the failure thing is because I put all of the responsibility and onus on me instead of what's actually going to be helpful in the context. Yeah, and I think it's part of the uh, degrading the idea of failure as something that reflects poorly on us. I mean, you look at some of the most successful businesses, it's about failing fast and still committing to the overall mission when you realize that it doesn't negate the importance of the mission failure is is iterations it's experimentation of figuring out what does work and that is a is an ongoing process in any organization and in the mission of god it's change isn't fun but it's it's part of as we seek to continue to be a part of god's mission in the world the message the central point of what god is doing in the world his end goal doesn't change, but how we how it is uh, being lived out and how we engage in it does change, and that requires experimenting and failing and reiterating, and and figuring stuff out. I we here on our college campus, they moved to quarters to try to ensure that they could at least get some classes in before if there was any outbreak. So it was seven weeks. It was a sprint. It was exhausting for everyone involved on the campus. Students just said it felt like finals week every single week. They just wrapped that up. Normally, we try to do big things to encourage them. I did like a, a year ago, I would have done a donut. I did a donut drop of like 200 donuts to the library. And, and you know, can't really do that now. Uh, so we set up a tent at our church. I have the benefit of being on the campus, but separate property. We set up a tent and I had milk and cookies. I went to Chick-fil-A. They got a kick out of the guy that had ordered 100 cookies and white and chocolate milk, the little kids ones that you get in the kids meals. And I handed those out. We didn't have a big mass of people. That was partly intentional because of the, the rules of the campus. But I had some of the best conversations that I've had in months, <laughs> drinking chocolate milk and eating cookies with college students as we just did something goofy to tr like, 
And I, th I think that's also part of it, especially during this time. But I think this, I think this extrapolates beyond just this COVID season, being willing to change our metrics, that it's not just about oh, numbers yeah. and it's not just about everything going well. But I think part of it is how we define failure. Like we didn't have a lot of students show up. You said, said the same thing with Chili's. But what I did figure out was like I learned what I can do better next time. I also learned that there's these smaller events allowed for me to have longer, longer and deeper conversations than I normally would if I was trying to run something big or throw some big event. You know that you need to pick a location closer to the college campus. Like it's, you, we're learning. What's the whole Thomas Edison thing? I didn't fail 999 times or whatever. Like I figured out all the ways not to make a light bulb. Yeah. And, and the, the, dude's, the dude's workshop burned down too in the process. Yeah. So I think, uh, it's redefining. It's redefining how we what we think about in terms of, of of failure. And I think one of the important things from the end of it is that it's it's solved by walking. That we continue in this journey. Mm. And we, we're wrapping up this book. But uh, our engagement, those who are listening to our podcast, watching online, continuing that journey in ministry, we're also continuing this podcast which I think, Kenny, it'd be great for you to, to share about more in a minute. But before we get there, Chris, is there anything else that you wanted to share from the, and I know you started us off, but you've got, you've always got nuggets of wisdom. Um, is there anything else from the, the book? No, I love what you said about defining how we define failure. And I also, it just occurred to me, we, we often capitalize the word failure with the big F. Mm. And I think we just need to not do that. Don't don't see failure as a capital F failure. It's just, That's it's good. just a step in the process. Um, and then the solvitur ambulando, that phrase, I mean, I've been hashtagging that since I, you know, went off on the trail and hashtag pray with your feet, hashtag solvitur ambulando, whatever. Um, and that, I was introduced to that phrase. That's kind of a Camino phrase. So the Camino is a pilgrimage in Spain, the Northern, kind of route from France to Spain, to the ocean across the coast of Spain. It's a 500 mile, you know, ancient pilgrimage kind of thing. Um, but that phrase and that idea that it's solved by walking or that it's, um, you know, it's in, it's kind of like the old um, successory posters, you know, that were the, the destination is the journey. Um, but the idea that, that moving we're going to see things happen um and not just kind of sitting around waiting for the perfect solution you know to come to mind in a moment of rational um you know elation or um you know something like that so i think that's a that's a great that's a great kind of summation and a place to end with this book too is just you're not going to figure out young adult ministry unless you're engaged in it and you're building relationships and you're trying. Um, I love the idea of, you know, some of the points that were made, I think again in chapter 15 must be my favorite chapter was, you know, instead of trying to do the big events, like be, you know, do these smaller cohorts, these smaller, mm -hmm. instead of just always trying to blast a hundred people with communication um, realize the power of, of having one-on-one -on -one communication with somebody. So I just, and again, these are, I think are some, some benefits to the COVID, to the pandemic thing that we're relearning um, perhaps in church and ministry is that 
um, bigger is not always better. Yeah. So, so I, in, in this chapter talking about moving, there's, there's three sentences that really grabbed me. Every step of the work we're called to do with the next generation can't be mapped out. And then um, a little bit farther down that page, we'll find the answer while we're moving. And I always live in the tension between um, like, does missiology shape theology or does theology shape missiology? And I think it's a mishmash of, the, of both, but we'll find the answer while we're moving, while we're going as the church, while we're practicing following Christ. And we do that in community. Um, it's kind of how I lean into that. And then as you build your young adult ministry, look for people with resilience, people with the ability to keep moving in the same direction, despite the obstacles, which, you know, my the Spartan within me gets excited when we start talking about obstacles. Cause I just want to, I, I have this little phrase that um, maybe I picked it up from someplace, but um, that where strength fails, technique prevails. So I may be exhausted when I get to that obstacle and my muscles are like, I can't power through it. I can't, I can't just grab the rope and just do my arms and not use my legs. But if I know the leg technique to climb up that 16, 20 foot rope, I don't even really need to use my arms because of the technique. And so sometimes I think we keep trying to power through stuff instead of trying to adapt our technique to the context and situation. So the way that I'm applying that to our, you know, 18 to 23 year olds is I had coffee with a guy that's an aspiring comedian and with our group and he's not going to college any place right now. He's 21. He's not really working right now. Um, he's got some high COVID risk folks, part of his family. And he's kind of like, if I'm out there, do I expose them? And we're all in the same. Oh. We're going to try a little conversation. I'm not going to call it a podcast yet because we haven't done it yet, but I, you know, cause I need another podcast, but this is a phrase that he said to me that's really stuck with me. Um, he, he's like, you know, sometimes my, um, my, my electric brain meat just doesn't work right. It just misfires. I'm like, electric brain meat? What are you talking about? And, and so just come out of the mental health kind of thing. Like sometimes things don't work quite right up here and we need some help with that. But I thought, what's one thing that I could do knowing that these younger groupings of young adults aren't going to gather at Chili's? What's something that I could do with young adults that might benefit other young adults? So me and this guy in our group are going to try to do a conversation a couple times a month, do it live, and then share it with our young adult group. And he's hilarious. He just makes me laugh. We're just going to have a goofy conversation for 30 minutes or so and see if young adults engage with that and just work different things into it. So we're going to try that just because I like him and he wants to hang out with me, kind of, I guess. Um, and Electric see if that's a benefit to our group. Electric brain meat. That sounds like some indie band. You should look it up on Anchor. <laughs> Well, um, as, we, as we wrap up our time on this episode, uh, this is uh, the end of our journey with this book, uh, not the end of this podcast, though. Our next book, oh, perfect timing, Chris, for those of you watching. Wait, online. wait, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yeah. yet. <laughs> not done this yet. This podcast is not done yet. Yeah. Subtitle, Reaching and Keeping Unchurched Emerging Adults by Beth Severson. And we'll be continuing this conversation, not only here, but bringing in some of our friends and co-laborers in Christ in young adult ministry. And that'll be a part of upcoming episodes. We're excited to be able to share that with you all. And as we continue to journey together, to, to fail forward in our, in our ministry work. We were together. already saying that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the outro. Are we doing the outro? Is that where you're segueing to, Jeremy? I think we should segue to, to the outro. 
Um, as we wrap up, thank you guys for watching. Those of you watching online, those of you who are listening to this episode, we appreciate you journeying with us as we journey together and seeking to be Christ-like and seeking to uh, invite others into uh, this relationship with Christ and to, to serve alongside young adults in the process. So until next time, fail forward. Be present. Please be teachable. Be flexible. And try something new. I think I will. Have a great football <laughs> practice, Chris. We'll see you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, people. Thanks for joining us.